This episode of Ask the Masters is brought to you by Miracote. Master designer Dave Pinton sits down with world-renowned tile expert Jimmy Reed of Rock Solid Tile out of Calabasas, California. Hold on tight. This is going to be a great show. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Masters podcast. This podcast is dedicated to discussions about the design and construction of water shapes. The hosts of the show are all certified SWD masters who represent the leading builders and designers within the water shaping industry today. Welcome in to the Ask the Masters podcast, and we're on location today somewhere in Beverly Hills, and I am with the one and only Jimmy Reed. Hey. Can you, uh, <laughs> for the three people out there that don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and, and what's your company? And There's at least three. I know of them. They're in my family. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Reed from Rock Solid Tile, and we do all tile pools. And you and I have been together, I was trying to think, what have we, the first job we did down in Orange County is probably, what, eight or nine years ago now? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Almost so, ten years. So So your specialty is glass tile pools and mm-hmm. all tile. You do a little bit uh, other stuff. Uh, sure, so. yeah. Um, mostly in the, in the pools uh, that we're all involved in, uh, the the biggest desire is the glass. Yeah. Sure. So occasionally we'll do some stone mosaic or or other, even art glass mosaic pieces, murals and things like that. Uh, mostly, though, is all tile pools and mostly is glass. Cool. Yeah. And glass is tricky. You know, um, it moves differently than porcelain or ceramic or stone. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot harder. I mean, glass is an inert object, and, and nothing really wants to stick to it too well. So you can't, yeah. you can't use traditional setting methods and everything, and so you've got to be a whole lot more careful. Definitely, um, yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit more later, but I want to know, who is Jimmy Reed, and where, how did you get involved in this? I know, I know you've got some cool stories about touring in Europe and, and your, oh, your well. grandfather and, and all of that. So, so bring us back to— Well, okay, wh- basically, I grew up in California and Los Angeles in uh, Studio City, which is in San Fernando Valley. That's where uh, uh, we all grew up. I'm one of six kids. One of my brothers, Mike, he's uh, the next uh, next brother down. He's also a tile contractor. Cool. He does mostly interiors. Um, most of our family is somehow artistically involved in something. Um, so, uh, yeah, I started working in the tile and stone business when I was about 12 years old. We had this guy that lived across the street from us, this hippie musician kind of stoner big white dude that had a bunch of burly you know friends and they all were stone guys so i started work for them in the summers and on weekends and things when um when the surf was down and that was back uh that was in early 70s 70s, yeah mid early 70s probably let's see probably around 73 or 4 okay Uh back in the dogtown era back oh yeah definitely yeah so if i wasn't skating or surfing i was looking for a couple of bucks to fund my skating and exactly, to pay so, for gas. Yeah, so I, you know, I'd work for these guys on the weekends and in, the, in the, you know, throughout the summers if I could, um, just doing the started at the bottom, doing the grunt work, mixing mud, hauling tools and bags upstairs and in these big old houses that uh, you know that they they were working on. Now, did you did you find your passion at that point? Is that where you kind of thought you were going to stick? Uh, was it just a job? I mean, how did you uh, how did I, you transition out of that? And because and, I know you had a, a, a bit of a 
break and, and went and did something else for a little while and then came back? I've done a lot of things. Um, I've always kind of kept my hands into tile and really construction in a way because it was, it was always a source of some type of income no matter what else was going on. And being a musician and a young starting out musician at the time, you know, there was zero money in that. And it was more for, uh, more for the hobby of it and just because just I love being in, in, the music, uh, in the music world, in the local scene and playing music and being in bands and just, you know, ha- basically having fun, partying a lot. And, uh, you know, but those are, di- those are different days. But um, I always did keep my, some kind of connection to uh, building. And um, I, I even built, uh, built sets for a company, cool. um, a magazine, and uh, at the same time as doing a lot of other stuff, like uh, an occasional bathroom uh, occasional deck or something like that. So with everything you've done, you've always had a bit of an artistic uh, outlet uh, in, in all of the work. It's what it sounds like. I think so, yeah. I mean, I look back on it, and definitely that's how it, how it played out for sure. So you asked um, how I uh, stayed in it or what I, if I thought that was going to be my artistic drive. I didn't really think it at the time, but I was super in – like when I was doing the helping the guys out when I first started out um, – I certainly wasn't doing any installing or anything artistic or cool, but I was watching these guys do these really because we, we were doing a lot of big like Mediterranean or, or Spanish style homes at the time. So all the tile was really cool, a bunch of different trim pieces and a lot of different designs and things. And watching these these guys uh, that I was helping install this stuff and and kind of lay it out and really start showing me that there's unintentionally just showing me that there was a real method to the madness. I mean, there's a process and a mathematical kind of a layout. So, um, yeah, so that really intrigued me. The, yeah. The and layout portion of it, but also the, what was possible to do and what was actually what was available, the tile material that was available, you know, on these cool interiors we were doing. Yeah, and back, you know, or they were doing with that style, uh, you know, it's very much, um, you know, you got quarter rounds and you got beaks and you got, I mean, you really, mm-hmm. you had to learn that it's not just laying a number of tiles down, you know, there, you have to think about your floats and where you're setting everything and how all yeah. of the other puzzle pieces are going to fit together. You may have four and or five different pieces. And it was only floating pieces. then. I mean, there was no such thing as, you know, hardy backer or backer board of any kind then, you know, so we, I learned and watched these guys float everything. You know, and again, it was at the time it was only interiors. Sure, you know, I didn't do my first pool till probably uh, mid eighties, I guess. Okay, yeah, mid eighties or maybe a little late late eighties, I'd say. Yeah. So when did uh, when did the artistry? When were you able to kind of start to uh, you know take the artistry that you're so known for and you're detailing in here, you know, when did that start to come back in, in pools? It sounds like it, you know, it, it, you, you moved away from that in the eighties cause there just wasn't that much artistry. I, tell me how you kind of retransitioned or did you, did you drive that to kind of bring that back in your artistic desire? I think maybe inadvertently I did. Um, it wasn't a, a conscious decision to do that. Uh, or even to get here where we are today, um, it just kind of was something that naturally unfolded and, and morphed into what what we're dealing with and what um, we're able to uh, provide, and really what we're interested in. Um, it just kind of evolved. I okay. mean, getting to uh, talk, work with and develop relationships with um, with landscape designers and pool designers, waterscape designers, um, that really helps. Um, it's it's different than 
just getting a job and showing up materials there and just go install it. So although that does happen sometimes, sure. but uh, depending on when we are brought into the project, it's, the more involvement that I have in it, of course, the more I enjoy it, and um, I think the better it turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about um, you know, what the process is. So I know we've been working on this pool together for a mm-hmm. couple years now. Um, and, uh, people, you say a couple years now, people probably... A lot of people would say, how can you be working on this one pool for a couple of years? There's a lot that goes into it, a lot of relationship development, and a lot of uh, planning and strategic investment from, you know, years. Mm-hmm. Like you say, it could be years uh, gone by before we actually set foot on the project. Yeah, and this project in particular is a major remodel of the house. I mean, they, they doubled the square footage of the house, and, and so, uh, you know, we were involved very, very early on, even before they started the demo on the house, mm-hmm. uh, and you were brought in pretty quickly. Um, just and, and so walk through the process, because this is you can't just go to Oceanside Glass Tile and find this material. Uh, this is how did, you, how did you guys come to this, and that's... That's always that's one of my favorite parts of your stories is how you work with the clients and and create one-off artistic creations mm-hmm. for them. Well, this job in particular, we uh, we were brought in by the job site superintendent, who I am friends with, who you know, John Clark. Uh, he has worked for a few companies that we've been involved with over the years and done projects for, and you know, by nature, those type of people kind of travel around and, and work for different companies. Uh, anyway, he uh, he called us in at some point, and he had a direct, a real good relationship, and still does a really good relationship with a client. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this is an existing pool. Obviously, the shape isn't something that we see ever really being built now, but it's a fairly deep, freeform, kind of the old traditional 70s, 80s freeform uh, type pool. Uh, they weren't quite interested in removing the pool, so uh, although we did push, we tried. Yeah. Uh, she uh, she just wanted something subtle, but kind of uh, a definite upgrade to what was here. What was in this pool before was an old porcelain, you know, poorly a, done too. The cuts were bad, done, sure. and, yeah. and but also it was just kind of dead looking. You know, whether it was installed nicely or not, it just the material was dead. I mean, it wasn't what could be what it could be easily. Mm-hmm. And she was able to, uh, or, or in the position to step up a little bit on this. I mean, this isn't a, an elaborate pool by any means. A um, little bit of money for the for the uh, tile and the tile work, but I think it's well worth it. So she, when, when she brought us in, when John brought us in, we uh, met with a client. Uh, we went through a series of meetings and discussions about her goals. She, Like I said, she wanted something fairly uh, mild, but nice, really nice. So... We just came up with a bunch of blends. Um, she wanted to stick with blues, which is uh, nice. It works here. And um, we just it, it was just a, a series of meetings and ideas. And that's not a two- or three-day process. I mean, I no, remember no. seeing those emails. I mean, it, that was six, seven, eight weeks of just back and forth with Oceanside you know, doing blends. Right. This and... happens to be an Oceanside glass tile mm-hmm. uh, project that we used here, yeah. So yeah, a lot of contact with the manufacturer, which is a good thing. I mean, it, me. I mean, I've been in this business for quite a while, so I I know a lot of the people directly at the manufacturers. Sometimes we'll buy through showrooms, just depending on on uh, the position of the so- showroom, position of the manufacturer at that time. Um, but it, it, either way, we have direct 
connections to the manufacturers of mostly it's Bizaza or Oceanside or occasionally Seachies or, or um, Light Streams even something like that. But um, if I need something like these, I, I mean this this finally what you see here is probably uh, we probably made ten or twelve mock-ups before mm. we settled on this exact combination. So it's a lot of back and forth with the client with the with Oceanside the manufacturer of this and um, just creating and and the benefit something I really like about Oceanside and uh, some of the other manufacturers is I can call them or email them and get a sample in the mail the next day overnight so within two days I can have a sheet here but what we do normally is we'll take a sheet and then we'll mount it and grout it and and put a lead line on it so we can actually drop it in a pool so, okay. they can, so the client can see what it actually looks like in the water. Yeah, because that's so different, you know. Um, than just holding it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's nice when we have a remodel or something like this to be able to have the water still in there. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we've even taken clients out to jobs and, and uh, where there is water in there just so that they can see the material underwater. Yes. And that, because it reads so much differently than it does just laying around on the kitchen countertop. Yeah, a lot different. Yeah. So um, the, one of the things that I love about like a pool like this is uh, is that you're not going to, you know, the neighbors are not going to come over and go, oh, yeah, that's, um, you know, blend X. You know, it's it's no, this is, you know, this is Elizabeth's blend. You know, I custom is. made this and, and it allows the clients to really, um, you know, have a sense of pride and ownership mm-hmm. and, and it allows them to go, yeah, this is mine. This is only mine. Nobody else has this. And and you know that's that that always helps with the clients too they they feel really proud of what you, what we've been able to deliver for them mm-hmm. sometimes we'll do a blend and the client will be um adamant that it's nobody else can use it so we'll have an agreement that it's proprietary to that particular client yeah yeah we got Kona and 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 one client uh, a number of pools that they, they have a one off blend that nobody mm-hmm. else can touch yeah yeah yeah, so um, do you, you tell me about your first all-tile pool. I mean, did that just uh, did it just kind of happen out of the blue? Did you push on yeah, it? it? Did. did you No, um, I worked for a contractor and I had done some interiors with glass. That was actually the first glass projects that I did were for this uh, particular client. I remember he the owner, not the contractor that I worked for, but the owner of that job coincidentally was um a a music executive that I was very familiar with at the time. Okay. Anyway, uh, we did uh, we did a couple of bathrooms with um, some glass mosaic material. Uh, beautiful feature walls. It was more of a mid-century uh, uh, home at the that was in I think it was in Malibu, and uh, back in the in the canyons. And that anyway, that contractor uh, had me do after a couple of jobs that I started working with him, had me do a pool, all-tile pool. And it just really started from there. And it was the first all-tile pool was a glass pool. Are you still proud of it? Or is it one of the, you know, like the first um, pool I ever built, I look back and I think, Well, yeah, that pool's okay. gone now. And, okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, <laughs> it's gone away. Okay. <laughs> but um, I was, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of it. I mean, of course, looking at the picture of it now, I look and I see i would not do that now right, exactly but i mean that was our first you know our first run at it yeah yeah so i mean even now i mean i can look at a pool i did a year ago and think 
or know that I would do something a little bit differently now. Yeah. Uh, we have a project coming up uh, that my guys are actually floating right now that I have some ideas about some new transition details. So it's always, my head's always kind of moving. The little man on the bike up here is always Yeah, those alive. 3 a.m. inspirations that oh you wake up and, and you got to get up and write it down. Yeah, I have those too. So yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so that's primarily what you do now, um, you know, all tile pools. Uh, I know, y- yeah. you know, you and I, you've done all my all tile pools that we've done for the last how many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, you'll still do, you know, smaller water line, um, you know, all tile spa and that, sure. you know, so it's not, you're not exclusive to that. Um, you know, to all tile pools. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's no, definitely I mean, your it, preference. Yeah, if somebody called, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for somebody to call me for a, a six-inch waterline. Sure. Porcelain waterline, because it, I'm, I am just not set up to do a project like that efficiently and financially efficiently for either of us, for the client or myself. Sure. So, um, and the enthusiasm is there. I want to be really, like, excited about, and I am super excited about all the jobs we work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, but, you know, sometimes a client, if a client directly, like a homeowner calls me direct, they really don't know what the what the options are. They may hear of us to get recommended uh, from a, a tile showroom or something without really knowing just what is available. So sometimes they'll call for just a waterline. I'll talk to them a little bit on the phone. And, you know, I, I, I answer the phone all the time, and I have all kinds of people that call with that wouldn't believe some of the questions I get at. But a lot of the clients that do call, you know, they don't know. They're just thinking about a new waterline in their in their in their pool. And uh, so, on that uh, in that situation, normally I know that the budget isn't there for an all tile pool. Sure. So, but let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can really let them uh, expose them to different ideas, like maybe a face on the spa, or even on the. Uh, entire spa let's do the entire spa or maybe the entry on the uh pool existing pool sure so you can really kind of dress up the pool easily without having to you know commit to all time yeah let's talk a little bit too about the kind of the teamwork aspect uh you know you and i work together all the time you Mm -hmm. bring me into jobs i bring you into jobs um you know sometimes the homeowner has brought you in and then Mm -hmm. we come in as a, a backup part of the team um, you know, we have a, a landscape architect, Allison, that we do a lot of work with together. Mm-hmm. She gets brought into projects. So, um, you know, how, how, do, how do you engage projects? I mean, it's pretty diverse. How do I engage? Well, I, uh, I would say mostly most of our work is referral, right? And so if I get called by a, let's say, a homeowner that wants to do something uh for instance we have a project you and i have a project in the palisades that i was called originally by the homeowner and they wanted to they had an existing old traditional rectangle pool in their backyard over basically over a cliff over a canyon and uh, they kind of wanted i mean beautiful beautiful house in a, a very exclusive neighborhood in the backyard, they had this basically a crappy old pool. Boring. And Boring old pool. Colors so you know were wrong. And Everything it was, was just, wrong. yeah. The question was, can I tile this pool? And I'm looking around and go, yeah, we can do that. Are you available? Yeah, we're available. But let's step back a minute. What is your real goal here? Because I knew just by the neighborhood and the property and what was going on at, at, at the in the end, just walking into the house, you knew it was a, a high-end and what Could they had be already done, too. I mean, the house was mm-hmm. stunning. 
house is beautiful. And uh, so I suggested that we get a team in. What I set, called was our team of landscape design, a proper pool builder, and uh, let's see if we can really make this spectacular. You guys open to that? And I was talking, and the wife was just like, oh my God, yeah, no, we never even thought of that. So we called, I called you, I called Allison Terry, uh, landscape designer, and uh, a landscape architect, and they made a connection, meaning Allison and the homeowners, and then you made a connection, and we all kind of came together and started this beautiful project that turned out, it turned into something much bigger than any of us thought. Hi, I'm Grant Smith with Ocalink Pools and Spas. Uh, welcome to Ask the Masters Podcast. We have Trevor Foster from Miraco here. Uh, Trevor, it's great to have you. Thank you very much. Yeah, great. It's sure, awesome to have you. I use your product all the time, so I'm, uh, you know, I buy quite a lot of it. I use it. Uh, can you tell everybody else about your product and what, is, what it's used for? Yes, sir. So with Miracote, uh we have multiple products for pools. Um, depends on if it's in the ground, if it's raised, if it's cantilevered, if it's above structure. Um, the biggest thing with Miracote products, what we really mm. try and promote is a systems approach. And the systems approach starts at the shell and works its way all the way through a bond coat um, to ensure that we get bonding capabilities and whatnot. So, you know, our first step is using a colloidal silicate um, that is, you know, placed on the shotcrete as soon as it can be walked on, reacts with the calcium hydrate, pretty much eliminates the efflorescence. It strengthens the shell somewhat, but it's not really a densifier at that point like we would use in the polished concrete industry. So that's where we start to get to the root so we don't have efflorescence, which can cause chemical attack, which can cause bonding failures. Um, you know, after that, we obviously have the membrane C, which you know you use a lot of to grant. And the membrane C is an anti-fracture membrane. Uh, we put that on the shell if we're not doing tile, but it's just going to be a typical cementitious or aggregate finish. Or we'll go over a bonded mortar bed if, in fact, it's going to be, you know, glass tile, porcelain, ceramic, anything like that. And then... Kind of the last big product in our pool line would be the BC Pro, which is our bond coat or adhesion promoter for an aggregate or cementitious finish to stick to the membrane seat. Right. Um, Isn't so. it your BC Pro also used for waterproofing and like uh, like on houses for like decks? Ne- that, negative yeah. side. Negative side. Okay, negative gotcha. side waterproofing. Right. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, but we don't want to solely rely on that right. because Correct. it is vapor yeah. permeable right. and it does. A bond coat will always be a rigid material. Right. So we can't have something that's rigid and flexible all in one. You either have to be a membrane or you have to be a bond coat. You can't be both. Right. Okay, Physical great. properties of yeah. cement just won't allow you to. Right. So the great thing about your product is it is a cementitious product. So you don't have to, if you just want to do a waterline tile or you just want to do like a, a negative and positive side of a weir wall, you can just do that with your product. Yes, is sir. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That is absolutely correct. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of it. You can do partial areas. You don't right. have to do from bomb beam to trough. You right. can do a tile line, you can do a raised spa, you can do a rear wall, you can do the infinity edge right. all alone because as water, water molecule is much bigger than a vapor molecule. So that's the way whenever you mix a rubber polymer and sand and cement, you actually get a pathway for moisture vapor to get out without causing blistering, bubbling, or delamination. Great. I think that's a great application because not all pools, especially just the average pool that sits in the ground, and, you know, it can use it under the water line and, like you said, a raised bomb beam or raised spa, but it may not need to have the entire, you know, vessel waterproof. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately or unfortunately, however we want to look at it, we are here in Southern California where right. we don't have land to build on acres, so we have to put pools above structure. Right. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we really started this whole thing yeah. 10, 12 years ago to where, 
you know, I go to Arizona or I go to Vegas or I go to Texas or Colorado or Washington or Hawaii, they have land to build on. So when I show them pictures of what yeah. we're doing here, it doesn't resonate. They think, oh, well, we don't have the right. money to do the whole pool. And you're exactly right. right. So we can just do partial yeah. areas, which is 90% of the country. Right, exactly. So right. it's the most flexible, I think, out there. So kind of get into about the flexibility of your product. So flexibility of our product, Membrane C, is due to the blend of aggregates and cement and the polymer that we use. And as you all know, there's many, many different types of polymer. I mean, just to name a few, there's acrylics, there's EVAs, there's SBRs, there's PVAs. And the acrylic that's used really regulates or values the flexibility of a material. And, you know, the ones that we use, not to go into proprietary information, is we do get 72% elongation. For a cementitious material, that's outstanding. Right. And... You know, again, we would love to be a one-step process, but we can't be rigid and hard for a Bonco, and, but you can't be flexible at the same time. Right. So that's why we have to do that, that double step. Right. But I mean, flexibility, that's the performance of when you're doing glass tile and honoring that P602 spec from the Tile Council of North America, we want a flexible membrane over that bonded mortar bed to kind of uh, shade out or, you know, take away that movement from underneath so we don't see it through the thin set, the grout, or possibly the tile. Right, gotcha. And the flexibility is kind of what sets us apart from pretty much every one of our competitors out there. Right, great. Is we don't promote it as both. We promote it strictly as an anti-fracture membrane. Right. Uh, excellent. I know you have different colors with a membrane C. Why is that? Uh, the different colors is twofold. So originally we just had white mm-hmm. and natural. And what we were promoting with the white and the natural was because our system is a two-coat application, we do 30 mils for each coat of membrane right. C, the first coat would be the natural, the second coat would be the white, or vice versa. So, you know, people could see if there was a couple holidays, if they were too thin, they weren't getting the coverage. But what we tended to find out was in the aquascape arena, be it fountains, ponds, koi ponds, um, water features in front of property management or, or apartment complexes, was membrane C being vapor permeable, we have a fountain that's in the ground that it's been turned off for a couple of years, we can allow our contractors to pigment the white pigment with one of our liquid pigments, or excuse me, the white powder with one of our liquid pigments, create a brown, a blue, a black, a, you know, a beige, right. and actually coat that pond as a usable surface that's pigmented that then can be a standalone. Right. And so that's when we started looking at our existing line of liquid pigments and saying, hey, we can add into a white powder in our, in our polymer just like we do with our concrete restoration products, and we were able to kind of expand from just being in the pool to going into aquascapes. But then with that, knowing not knowing pools, I started talking to pool builders about troughs, and troughs are hard to tile, troughs are hard to plaster, and sometimes they're on the edge of a cliff. Like you just said, they're hanging over the cliff. Nobody ever sees them. So they were able to make the membrane see virtually black and just go ahead and put it in there and not have to finish it with anything and let it be exposed in the trough. Yeah, absolutely. Like anytime I have a gutter system or I have like a a trough where I'm covering with like black Mexican pebble, Mm -hmm. um, we just use the black, you know, the the membrane C, the natural, and it turns out great because they're dark enough to where you don't, it doesn't pick up on the eye, you know, looking down a little slit or if you happen to notice through like a pebble that's misplaced or something. 100%, absolutely. And then we don't have to do anything else with it and that's what makes the system so great. That's correct. And the same, you know, and the furthermore on that, our BC Pro can be pigmented as well. It comes in white. But I know when the guys are doing black plaster or black right, pebble, yeah. you know, really worries them that because our, our BC Pro is heavily textured to make sure we right. get mechanical mm-hmm. adhesion with sure. the plaster, some guys kind of worry about when they're walking around in spikes is breaking off little tips of our BC Pro and actually 
getting that mixed in. So we allow them mm. to, to fill pigment that if they want a blue or a black or a red, depending right. on what the cementitious or aggregate finish yeah. is as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So. Uh, Trevor, it's great to have you here. I mean, this was just a wealth of information. It's almost like an infomercial. So, uh, you know, so that's great, and uh, we appreciate it. I believe in your product, and uh, I think waterproofing really needs uh, is taken off in the industry, and I think it's a long, long time coming. So, I, I appreciate you guys okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank right. you, sir. What keeps you going these days, you know? I mean, you, you've done so much. And <laughs> <laughs> my kids and my wife. Yeah. Um, I think the next job, business-wise, the next job always keeps me going. Yeah. Uh, once it's, it, to me, like you were saying in the beginning, the part of the fun aspect of getting these jobs is the going through the picking and choosing and creating stages of it in the beginning. And I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, well, and it doesn't end once the tile material is chosen. I mean, that's the one thing that people may not know about you is you're out here and, and, and on that big Baja shelf. I think you did that corner six times, you know, and it wasn't because it was a mistake. It was it, every oh, yeah. time it looked good, but you kept taking it out and making it a little bit better and a little bit better. And, and I don't even want to know what that corner cost you. But, you know, yeah. it, 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 uh, at the end Way of the much. day, it that it, was a gift to the client. Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Nice gift. Yep. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that isn't – typically, I will bid a job and give a price to do that job. So a lot of times it may be considered high, but, um, I mean, I think that we give a really good product to our clients. So I'm not ashamed of our pricing. Sure. Um, and a lot of times people ask, well, what's your square foot price? We don't have – there is no square foot price. I don't know what the details are until I see it and really wrap my head around it. Um, but back to that corner – uh, that is not something that you can look at a set of plans and know exactly how it's going to play out. Sure. So, you know, we got, well, I did it. I had my guys do it, and I helped with them, and they helped me kind of figure out what rows, how many rows we needed and how the radius would be. And it just took a while. It took a while to get there. So you don't know that kind of stuff looking at a set of plans. Right. Let's talk, uh, let's get a little bit technical because I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in that. Um, sure. Uh, mesh back top? Hate it. So this is not a mesh back top? <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, the, I mean, mesh back, um, you gotta, you want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, you know? yeah. You and, never, and spe- usually mesh back tiles are from areas that just typically don't have a lot of uh, quality control. And it's hard also to get information from these, you know, some of these factories that are overseas that you don't have a lot of a relationship with or, or familiarity with. So you don't know what the glue is that they may have been using on the mesh. You don't know what the mesh actually is, and you need to know how much coverage is on the back and how much access to the back of the pieces you have with the mesh being on there. Um, it just doesn't make sense to bond to some unknown material as opposed to getting 100% coverage of whatever material you're using to install onto the back of that piece of tile. Yeah. and, and Each piece of tile. Per TCNA, you know, um, Tile Council in North America, you have to have 95% coverage, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I say, why stop there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100% is, is what we strive for. So and that, that's just anything impossible. on the back, it's impossible. Correct. Yeah. Even if it's, you know fishing line thin Mm -hmm. um you know what what people don't they look at that and think oh well this one's probably okay Uh, nobody realizes that has that has to be adhered somehow Mm -hmm. and and usually it's it's all glued and the glue covers the entire back of the tile and and really you might be getting 15 percent of actual 
connection between your setting bed and the tile mm-hmm. and you know long term you know that's going to start to delaminate yeah when, when a, a client's spending you know into the six figures for an all tile pool um you know that just doesn't make any $5. sense if it's not right it's not right well you know it's uh, it just doesn't make sense to use inferior material at sure. any cost um, any savings because it's not a savings you know uh, uh there's a lot of um Film faced mm-hmm. tile uh, and and uh, and paper faced mm-hmm. and I know paper faced really um, scares people away quite a bit. Um, you know, everybody wants to do more um, film faced. So we get a we get a sample here. So th- this is paper faced tile. Yes, and it is. And so so this is actually not the back of the tile. No, uh, no for no. people unfamiliar with this. Uh, so how do you even? Why do you do this? Why well, do you choose this over plastic? Believe it or not, and- this gives you the most flexibility and access to uh, adjusting and manipulating each tile than anything else, even than plastic. So this will, for people that aren't familiar with how uh, Mosaic installs, uh, basically this goes. This sheet will get installed onto the thin set bed on a wall or on a floor, and it'll be tamped in. So you get we like I said before, we try to get 100% coverage. Meaning, if you peel this back once it's installed, there's no glass showing. You see nothing but the thin set. So you want as much coverage as possible. Um, but then once these, you have a, a section of this type of material installed, you go back and hydrate the the paper a bit with a sponge, just a wet sponge, basically wipe it down, uh, and it'll take a couple of times depending on the weather and the atmosphere uh, for the water to penetrate and and uh, kind emulsify of the, the glue. glue. Yep. Yeah, get get into the glue that's holding. And this glue is designed specifically for this, so it cleans off very easily and uh, hydrates quickly so you can peel the, the paper off. So, But once that paper is peeled off, then you have, this is in this one sheet of tile, you have 178 pieces of glass. Wow. That's a lot of pieces to manipulate. So people, a lot of times people go, oh yeah, mosaic, but it's in you got it in 12 by 12 sheets, though. Yes, but there's 178 pieces of tile that we have to deal with in that sheet because sure. that paper comes off, and then you you got a, <laughs> and you're not, a colony of tiles. You're not taking to deal this with. paper off the next day either. No, you're no, you have to do it while the paper. Well. Yeah, you have to do it while the thin set is is wet and not so set up that you can't move them. The whole point is to remove the paper and adjust the pieces so you don't see grids of sheet marks. And so some of the tiles, they're not always perfect. I mean, sometimes you have to move, move some around. And depending on the, uh, the surface or whatever you're dealing with, there's a lot of manipulation that, that is involved in installing this type of material. I'm not trying to scare anyone away because it's, it's doable and it's learnable. You can learn how to do this and, and learn not to be afraid of this paper. But it's also the reason why, uh, say, a, a six by six porcelain tile, where you're just sticking it up there, um, you know, you're not you're manipulating, you know, one tile, one um, piece of tile, you know, as opposed to this, mm-hmm. you're not just throwing twelve by twelve sheets up there. No. You're putting it up, and, and each one of those sheets, you're going through and, and double checking all the actually touching every single piece of glass mosaic on this sheet. Yeah. So. How many hundreds of thousands of pieces, maybe millions in this pool? Mm-hmm. Everyone has been touched by a human hand and manipulated and adjusted. Yeah, and hence the the added expense. You know, it's it's very it's labor busy. intensive. You know, this this pool is not terribly big by what we normally work on, but you know, how many how many weeks or or even months do you have in here? We were installing. Uh, we probably have close to three months install time on this. And that's from shell out. So we typically get a pool 
whether it's new from you or another contractor or a remodel like this that is just the concrete shell Mm -hmm. you know uh, we don't depend or even want anybody touching it once the shot creator or or gunite is done we take it from that point out so we'll do an initial waterproofing usually we like to treat it with acuron cpsp Mm -hmm. that's a great concrete curing uh penetrating sealer i know you and i on our jobs have been really exploring um uh, epoxy setting beds mm-hmm. and, and epoxy grouts and and um, you know the, the one job I referenced earlier uh, and it's a 90 foot long 11 feet tall uh, it's actually a black basalt not a granite but a, a jet black material uh, infinity edge that had water trickling down over the face of mm-hmm. it and um, you know y- those are deadly you know th- how many of those failures have you seen over the years I've Just, seen a lot yeah. um, that one hopefully doesn't turn out to be deadly. I think we're doing pretty good on that one. That's a, probably almost a year old that we actually completed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, smartly, the contractor separately contracted a waterproofing uh, contractor, and they did a they did a uh, a cementitious waterproof membrane over the entire surface of the pool. Well, because the pool is over living space, and so the yeah. entire mm-hmm. yeah, so membrane C was what they used, and uh, you know, I mean, the whole the whole entire pool was done with that. Even though it's not an all tile pool, mm-hmm. um, they had their waterproofing contractor that was working on the house, and he came in and waterproofed the entire pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was great. So um, my c- initial concern with that was that it was a cementitious material. We're using a black granite stone material, and it's sun facing. So yeah. I'm worried. And why about was that concern? What, what? Well. I'm worried about the effervescence because be, even though that's a uh, uh, waterproof membrane, it still has cementitious qualities that can react to water. Not that the waterproof is going to get penetrated or right. even fail in any way or be a concern in any way, other than visually it could some uh, minerals could emerge from that. Yeah. Especially if we do a traditional installation of this black stone facing in water facing the sun. Uh, with uh, cementitious thinset and cementitious grouts. So well, because, yeah, you, black material, I mean... Black it, material is notorious for moving and reacting. Yeah, this one in particular... water and heat. Correct, yeah. Uh, when you get any sort of efflorescence, you know, that's white. Mm-hmm. And, and it shows up even just the tiniest little bit. It, it's, it's like a uh, glowing acne marks all over the side of the pool even if they're very small uh and Mm -hmm. and the challenge on this one as well was that um uh the the vanishing edge we recommend that they always have it running uh, to keep it cooled uh but we know clients and hydrated and hydrated yeah Uh, and so we've got this this dark material fairly large format uh, that's going to expand and contract with the sun uh, Mm -hmm. just the heat of it and and that's exacerbated by it being black. You know, the, the darker the material, the more movement you're going to get into it. And basically a live material, as opposed to like a porcelain. Right. So that black granite will react different. This piece installed here will react differently than this piece here in the water. Yep. Yeah. And so you and I kind of reapproached the contractor on that and said, you know, here's some of our concerns. Mm-hmm. And, and we, that was one job where they sourced the materials. We had no say in it. We had no, right. you know, the architect came to us with the material. Mm-hmm. And once we 
realized what it was and the application, you know, we kind of pushed back and said, okay, you know, this is, we want to do things a little bit differently. And so we did that with all epoxy. We uh, did. And so, um, and well, why back, would we choose that? I'll tell you why. The back to the uh, membrane itself being cementitious, I was uh, a little bit concerned about the reaction to water. So, I suggested that we skim the entire surface with epoxy. And we tinted the epoxy also so that uh, the epoxy would be black. And I'll tell you why. The, um, we wanted to skim coat and protect that waterproofing. It sounds funny, but uh, we actually wanted to protect the waterproofing membrane from the effects of the water. Um, so we skim coated it and then installed the black granite with the same black tinted epoxy. And we did a, a fairly small grout joint. Uh, I think we did a 16th inch grout joint, but we left it open. We did not grout it with anything. So there's no epoxy grout or no cementitious grout. So the reason we did black is so as you're walking by the wall, if you happen to see into those joints, at least it was black. You wouldn't see that there's a white or beige or some type of colored epoxy back there. Sure. Much like you would if it was thin set, they would ooze out the joints. So it, it looked totally black. But by leaving the joints open... We not, number one, from the epoxy, we have a solid bond of that piece of stone that's, uh, I think it was 6 inch by 12 6 inch by 12, stone. yeah. So that piece of stone is bonded but not connected to anything else. So it's got a 16th inch all the way around it for movement. So, so in the middle of the, the summer, that was, can grow, it, and, yeah. and, and you're not going to get spalling. Uh, and and like, you know, I want to reiterate that, that we did not grout that joint. Uh, right. That grout joint is open, and you can't really tell until you walk right up to it and you look. And, and even at that point, when you look in between the pieces of stone with the tinted uh, uh, epoxy. epoxy back mm-hmm. there, you don't notice it at no. all. It doesn't draw your attention there. It actually looks kind of cool now that I see it with the water overflowing it. It just the reaction uh, or the, the the movement of the water on the face of the stone. The the stone is uh, is is rough cut sure. face also. So there's a lot going on on that on that water feature fall wall. Uh, but that open joint kind of works with that face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and with the epoxy material, we're not worried about efflorescence. You know, we're not none worried. at all. And and even beyond that, um, one of the things that drove me to to really be be wanting to push epoxy is just the bond strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, good high quality thin set material, cementitious based, have really good bond strength, uh, but still it doesn't even compare to epoxy. Uh, and, and knowing the thermal shock that's going to be on that wall constantly throughout its life, um, you know, we really want, I wanted to make sure that those stones were adhered to the wall. And, and it's a heavy material, you know, it's a three-quarter inch thick, mm-hmm. six inch by 12 inch. So it's not, it's not, you know, very, very heavy, but it's also not just a thin little tile. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's some weight to each piece. It was and, a good few pounds a piece at mm-hmm. least. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that 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 we had you know the the ultimate bond strength there. I think it worked. I, it seems to have, and and the photos are beautiful. <laughs> so, um, what well, do you... photos are always beautiful from a distance. But I have well, but seen that one's it... that one's beautiful in life too. Yeah. You know, in front of it, it's it's just as stunning when you see it up close. Yeah. So, what do you have in the books? Anything you can talk about? What are you excited about? What's uh, um, where are you going? Well, we have a couple of things locally in Los Angeles. Um, locally? What is yeah, locally. Okay. I mean, imagine that. Do you not so, only work here? <laughs> we travel a little. You know that. Okay. So uh, we are talking to um, 
few pieces, few projects throughout the country. Okay. Yeah, so, but right now, currently, we are actively working on a handful of projects here in Los Angeles. Okay. This one we just finished up. We're, we're waiting to fill this pool that we're sitting in right now uh, until more landscaping is finished, and I think the equipment needs to be finished up. And yeah, my guys are actually here uh, plumbing up the, the equipment today and, yeah. and getting this ready. Um, so I guess we'll be able to get rid of the tent pretty quick and, and get some water in this. So talk about that. Uh, you know, um, we live in Los Angeles. You know, it's, the weather yeah. is good here. Why do you have a tent up? Sure, it's good compared to other areas in the country. But we have a tent here because, number one, we want to work. Number two, we, because we had rain in the last couple of months. Sure. So, I mean, we, more yeah. rain than normal for us. A lot more rain than normal. But even if it wasn't that extensive amount, we still have rain. And we also had some cooler temperatures. And, you know, we want, I want my guys to be comfortable. We also want to keep the, the insulation materials at a relative uh, temperature. Um, so we had this tented um, and also heated. We had some propane heaters in here. Okay. And uh, it worked. Uh, it worked really well. And this this is not any. Also, this project there's no cementitious materials in here. So. Oh, this is all I, epoxy. This is all uh, hybrid. Type, okay. Type material. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I've heard in the past. Uh, claims or rumors that propane heaters have affected cementitious installation materials in tented pools oh really i've never seen that but i have heard it um i don't know if anybody's ever proved it okay they're just looking for (laughs) scapegoat for failures but nevertheless we we did not use uh we did not use cementitious in here therefore i was comfortable using the uh uh, propane in here but you do we don't always just tent in the wintertime for weather. No, no, you know, in the you, summer it, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have plenty of projects that want to work throughout the summer. And, again, I like to keep my guys uh, comfortable and working. I mean, if they're out in the 110-degree sun, they're not going to be performing too well, and they're not going to be performing long either. Yeah. So, Well, uh, and the manufacturers really have specific temperatures that you have to well, keep their materials. That's, that and, was going to be my next thing. I mean, ultimately, you don't want your installation materials, your cements and your thin sets, uh, over, I think, like 90 degrees or so. So if you have a nice tent and some good air conditioning, uh, we work on consistently through the summer where uh, some areas are get up to 120, 125 degrees. So when we're tented and we have air conditioning, refrigeration units that are just pumping cold air in there, we can keep a, about an 80, 82 degree um, atmosphere. And that's ideal for the material and the guys. So, and even, uh, you know, on some of our jobs where we don't, you know, we're not working in the desert or anything, um, you know, you're, you're regularly covering everything because mm-hmm. it may only be, you know, 75 degrees outside if you're working in Malibu. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the sun hits it and, we'll just and your cover, surface temperature. I just have the guys do that with tarps. Yeah. You know, we'll, and they can move around as they're working. In I know, but you, you say that like it's, like, like it's a standard operating. I mean, it is standard <laughs> operating for you, but you know, so many people are like, why would you cover it? I mean, most of oh, the yeah. time, you know, your guys are working in a shaded environment. They're mm-hmm. not necessarily working in direct sun. I would say never in direct sun. Yeah. I mean, shaded, whether it's uh, like this, attended over the whole area or them just moving tarps around. You know, sometimes, well, in, in beautiful weather where it's not too hot, not too cold, but sunny, my guys will just put tarps over the whole pool. And they'll, or an easy up. Yeah, or an easy up. And they can move that around, but sometimes they'll even do... They'll put stakes up and tie tarps across just so it stops the sun. You get the full air circulation yep. and the, the ambient temperature, which is usually nice and warm in that case, and it just keeps the direct sun off of their material and their surfaces. Yep. I was going to say also, 
keeping the material is critical. It's but, critical. Yeah, you can't have the, it out sitting in the yard. But also the surface of the of your, what you're installing onto. Right, so, and you're bringing so you can't the material. Pull a bag of thin set out of a refrigerated environment and install it onto a pool shell that's been sitting in the 120 degree weather. Correct, but you're also, you know, conversely, you're also not pulling. You know, uh, your material's not sitting outside the tent. You know, you have your your materials brought in, so Everything it's acclimated. Everything is staged and protected. Yeah, yeah, exactly, inside. If it is sitting outside, yes, we'll bring it in a day or two ahead of time. You know, on a rotation, we'll stay ahead of that curve. Yep. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm really excited. I'm I'm real excited to get this pool filled up. And, and Me too. Um, I mean, again, for such a kind of a traditional, old-school-looking pool, I think it's going to be well, and, and pretty spectacular. From where it came from, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just, this is, yeah. this is a thousand percent better than But you than brought it up was. to date uh, hydraulically also. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, it's not, yeah, so visually and... Technically, this is going to be a, almost a state-of-the-art pool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got all the, the latest and greatest equipment in here and, and obviously a world-class tile job. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get water in this in the next couple of weeks. Cool. Uh, one final thing. Let's, let's just touch on one final thing because, uh, actually, I was at a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago and was talking to um, uh, one of the students about he's done a few all-tile pools and was just finishing one up. And he talked about, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fill it with water next week. And I said, you're still tiling. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about curing protocols mm-hmm. and 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 why you need to do that, and and uh, you know where you find that information. Is that just something that you do, Jimmy Reed? We cure our pools 28 days, or you know, what's... no, actually, it's that's kind of industry standard uh, uh, regulations. Um, any cementitious product needs a minimum of. T- depending on what it is, 21 to 28-day cure time before submersion. So, um, and that that's really easy to find information. Uh, any of the manufacturers uh, that get, uh, produce installation materials uh, will have somewhere uh, in their guidelines uh, reference to that. To cure yeah, time and it's real important no matter what, you know, especially if you're doing glass. Uh, you need to go to the manufacturer and you need to, you know, seek out. They almost all of them have installation guidelines. If they mm-hmm. don't, you may want to consider if it's a quality enough tile. All of That's the right. good quality tile manufacturers have, uh, you know, detailed installation guidelines. They may allow you to use four or five or six different um, methods or products, right. uh, but they all have something uh, down in writing and what they recommend. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow that and you have a problem, that's kind of on you. Yeah. Meaning me, if I don't follow those directions. Yeah. So um, cure time is important. Yeah. And the cure time for a float may be different than a cure time for the grout, but you really want to know from the last uh, day that you're working and installing that product from that point, that's when the clock starts ticking. Yeah. From the time you're done grouting, you know, it's yeah, exactly. And cementitious material is different has different cure times and different properties than epoxy-based materials or epoxy polyurethane-based materials. So all the cure times are going to be different for each manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. so you really just got to – there's there's no one answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're going to start embarking on and start playing with glass, you know, you really need to educate yourself on membranes and, and the different options available, different waterproofing protocols, uh, and then understand what the manufacturers are recommending as well. You can't just – you know, there's no blanket statement that... Uh, That's true. Yeah. That's right. 
So, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Very um, good. It's, thank it's, you. Uh, good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see this. I hadn't seen this pool uh, since you guys finished grouting it, and it really, really turned out beautiful. Nice job again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ask Masters podcast, and don't forget to check out our Facebook page each week on Tuesdays for new episodes of the show. I also want to encourage you to stop by the Ask the Masters Facebook page and invite other like-minded individuals to join us there as well. Feel free to jump into the conversations and even post your own questions. We want to create a community which fosters learning and discovery for the betterment of us all. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and feel free to share 